Hey guys, welcome back to Bodies in the Bayous. I'm Morgan. And I'm Gretchen. Today we're bringing you Season 1 of Texas Killing Fields, Episode 23, Still Searching for Answers. One of our listeners asked us to, cur- to cover a current missing persons case out of San Leon, Texas. Her name is Casey Price. She is 38 years old. She went missing on March the 3rd, 2022. She left her home wearing a black tank top, brown shorts, and no shoes. She is missing a front tooth or it is broken. She's 5'8 and has brown eyes. She also has three tattoos, one being a cross on her ankle, a rock star key on her left forearm, and a sun on her lower back. Also on her lower back, she has a birthmark that is in the shape of a strawberry. There is no information about where she may have been headed, but her home is a short distance from some water. There is also no information on the time of day that she went missing. So family and friends have gone um, door to door in San Leon trying to see if anybody saw or heard anything. Um, Texas EquiSearch, who you've heard about in several episodes that we've covered, is involved in this case, and they are helping with the search in the area. Um, I think there are some, some definitely odd things in this case. She did go missing, you know, not wearing any shoes. Um, and so even though, you know, it's a, it's kind of a street in a grassy area, I don't believe without any shoes that she could have gotten incredibly far. Um, but that's really at this point, almost all that we have. We would ask that if anybody knows anything about her, where she might be, to please call the Galveston uh, County Sheriff's Office at 409-766-2322. Again, that's 409-766-2322. If you're not comfortable calling in a tip to the Sheriff's Office, which we know some people might not be very comfortable with that, then call into Texas EquiSearch. Their number is 281-309-9500. Anything that we can do to get the family some answers in this case would be helpful. Mm-hmm. The one thing that does kind of throw me off um, with her and it could just be like a red herring in her case is the fact that she's not wearing shoes. Right. Um, I mean, to me, that seems like, you know, a quick in and out type of thing, Mm -hmm. but I I don't know. It could just be a red herring. Like I said, so, you know, I think there are definitely people, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the type I'm always tend to have shoes on, but there are a lot of people who sometimes tend to not wear shoes very often. You know, um, if she was possibly running down to the beach to kind of sit next to the water and, you know, be down there, maybe, maybe that was uh, not unusual for her. Um, or maybe, you know, because it's part of this, maybe that's something that the people are saying, this is unusual for right. her, you know, that they think maybe she would have immediately been picked up because it's not a, on her norm to, to go out without wearing shoes. Um, 
But again, I think getting that information out there, we have um, covered her missing persons case on our Facebook page and we'll continue to kind of put it out there. We would encourage anybody in this area to share that and put it out there, but reach out to people, see if anybody knows anything or anybody's seen anything. Let's see if we can try to get her back home to her family. Mm -hmm. So. The next crisis that we're going to cover is um, on Galveston Island. So on April 1st, 1988, a boy flying his kite noticed legs sticking out of a trash bag and went and immediately got a hold of law enforcement in order to uh, get them out there. When law enforcement arrived, it was um, to the Galveston Island State Park. They did recover the remains of a woman who had been decapitated. She had been stabbed to death. She had three stab wounds on her chest. She also had defensive wounds on her hands. Police tried to locate her identity using her fingerprints, but to no avail. Her head was never found. She was in a boggy area and had been killed three to four days prior. The woman was between the age of 18 to 25 years old. She stood five feet, three inches tall. She was wearing a size 36 B bra, size 32 panties, and a full dress slip. She also had a smallpox vaccination scar on her left arm. In 2016, the Galveston County submitted her DNA to Parabon Nano Labs which we've talked about them several times in their technology and other episodes. But basically what they do is they take the DNA, put it into their system, and then they come up with a predicted sketch of what they appear that person looked like based on their DNA and their ancestry. When they did that, the test came back to say that the Jane Doe was of Asian descent and possible, possibly from Central East Asia guessing that she's between the ages of 15 and 25 years old. So that sketch, we'll try to share that with you of what they're thinking that she looked like. Um, there's a few things in here. So if you're looking at 1988 and the fact that she has a smallpox vaccination, that would not have been typical for her age range for her to have gotten a smallpox vaccination unless she was possibly from a country where they were still vaccinating for smallpox or she had traveled outside the United States and been vaccinated for smallpox in order to travel to an area where they needed a smallpox vaccination to travel. Um, there's not a whole lot on her. This is still a very open case. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, the fact that she hasn't been identified, you know, it makes you wonder what happened to her head because are they hiding her identity with that? Right. You know? So, and I think police speculated for a long time that she probably does not come from the area of Galveston or from this area of South Houston because you know, the, the case, especially in the late eighties was highly publicized that they were looking for anything. I don't know. I kind of wonder that too, you know, if, if she's not from this area, then why take her head in order to, to hide her identity? I mean, it's a very strange thing. I mean, decapitating a person is takes a lot. Yeah. 
-hmm. I mean, that's a very unusual thing. I mean, you don't often run across that. Right. And I mean, so you're disposing of her in, in plastic trash bags and stuff. So what they're, they are saying that, you know, is known is that this area is not where she was killed. Mm -hmm. So I guess it is possible that they disposed of her body in one area and then disposed of her head in another area and just have not made that match yet either. Or maybe her head was just never found, you know, in a boggy area, it could have simply, you know, been taken. And by... when you say boggy area, what is, what exactly is so that? So it would have been like, um, an area that would have been consistently marshy. Mm -hmm. And so you would have had that marshy growth that we get here in Galveston of an area that tends to have water consistently in that area. So you would have had flooding up in that area now she was killed three to four days prior so i don't know that that they're saying the flooding would have possibly taken the head out of that area and from what i understand they believe that she was disposed in that area not that these bags washed up from another area mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um that is so it's just so weird i mean you're disposing of the head but not the rest of her you know, like if you're trying to hide at all or try to like throw, you know, law enforcement off when you just, I guess, dispose of her different, like one bag here, one bag there, heads there. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's probably possibly what did happen yeah. here. But I mean, the it's, you know, to not ever have located her head on Galveston Island does kind of, you know, throw up some red flags. It's um, certainly you know, but again, her case is still open. So I think it's important to look at some of these key things here. Again, she's, she is dressed, but she's not dressed like she's going out when they're talking about a full slip. It could be, um, that maybe she slept in the slip, mm -hmm. but she is wearing bras and panties. I do know some people who do sleep in their bra and panty. And so it's possible that that's what she was sleeping in, or it's possible that she, um, that her clothes have also been, um, taken off somewhere else and, and that those, you know, um, have not been found. Yeah. Maybe, Cause it's almost like undergarments, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's definitely almost like undergarments. Mm -hmm. And, um, and again, you know, it's, this is the case where the, you know, that by taking her head, they're not hiding her cause of death. So, because, you know, you have the other stab wounds and the defensive wounds and all of that. So April 1st, 1988, um, if somebody in your family went missing, or if you know somebody who went missing around that time period, uh, I think the vaccination scar is probably a good hint to this case. Also her DNA would be on file. So if, you thought maybe this was a family member. This is an easy, easy thing to compare to. Mm -hmm. And didn't they test that in the 2000s? Her DNA? Yeah. So uh -huh. in 2016, it was right. tested. What I would not be surprised about with this case is if eventually you get to the point where you have some genetic genealogy, but the problem with this is going to be if she actually was, you know, if, if she does not have any ancestry here in the United States, then all of her ancestry would be into Asia. It's a lot harder to Yeah, but it would make do. you wonder how she got here. 
I mean, because they're saying that she could be anywhere from 15 to right. 25. I mean, that's young. Well, and I think, you know, when you're talking about this area, we do have a large Asian community mm -hmm. that has come to this area to work. So, um, and working in nail salons and hair salons and those, you know, um, type of industry here, you have a large Asian community in this, in the Houston area sure. together. And then also into the, a lot of these smaller towns and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and so she could have easily come over to work with that. At this point, you know, the hope would be that that family would eventually come forward. Right. That somebody would know something. Yeah, but what if they're, you know, there's always that possibility that they're immigrants, like they're not mm -hmm. even legal here. And so they may never come forward. Right. And or there is also the possibility that she came. Mm -hmm. by herself without any family you know and so her family back in um china or, or wherever she's found to be and i mean they are saying you know um central east asia or china doesn't even know you know mm -hmm. they just she came over here and then just never had contact with her touch, again yeah, yeah. so So the next case that we're going to talk about is actually also on Galveston Island. And on Labor Day of 1988, which was September 5th, 1988, a boy found a body of a nude woman behind the Kmart on Stewart Road in Galveston, Texas. The woman's face had been burned by somebody placing a gas-soaked rag over her face and lighting it on fire. The medical examiner later determined that this was done after she had died, as her cause of death was found to be from strangulation. At the scene, it did appear that there had been a struggle and that she had been killed at the scene. So for months, she would go on unidentified. For a long time, people in Galveston definitely thought the case of the woman that we just covered um, and this case might be linked. And then there was also talk about possible serial killer on Galveston Island, which... Um, police quickly said they did not think these two cases were connected in any way, putting down the idea that there was a serial killer on Galveston Island. I think, interestingly enough, what we know is that there were actually serial several. killers on Galveston Island. It does make you wonder, though, what if the what if they are? And the reason that she doesn't have her face is because it was burned off. The other victim? Yes. Okay, well, I don't think that there was any evidence of that, I think that her face you can't burn a skull <laughs> well like, it was never found right okay well yes i guess that is a possibility you know i mean and her body was found three to four days after she was killed right so, right so so there is a possibility that maybe you would cut off her skull in order to hide the fact that you had burned her or like burned that. off yeah anyway um total side note sorry sorry <laughs> Didn't expect that question. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so she would go unidentified for several months, but then the children of a woman named Darlene Delaney saw a sketch and contacted police saying that they thought that the woman looked like their mother. Uh, 
Darlene Delaney was a 47-year-old woman who was deeply religious, who was known to leave her family for long periods of time, ministering to the homeless and even staying in shelters in order to make contact with them. So the family didn't really think that her absence was a big was that big a deal until the absence went on for a much longer period of time and they hadn't heard from her. Um, and then they make this connection to her. Police then compare her prints that they had um, to the prints that the family had on a Bible that she had left behind. And so that's what finally said, yes, these these are the two. I mean, they did have her prints for a while and had run them into different systems trying to locate her, but your prints aren't on file unless you've necessarily committed a crime. So, um, so that connects them to her. Darlene's case is still open. I think it's, it's a possibility that she, I mean, obviously it's a, that she came into some harm by trying to administer to some person, you know, on the streets of Galveston. What we do know about this is that she was probably killed at that location, which is, that's a highly busy area. Mm -hmm. I think what's important about this case is, you know, if you were homeless in the eighties and something happened to you, or if you know some member of your family or something and something happened to them in the eighties, that they ran into somebody who tried to do some type of harm to them in any way that could be connected to this case, it would be important to bring that forward now to Galveston. And it might make the connection of something like this, you know, um, well, and I mean, considering that she, you know, quote unquote, is a Bible thumper, which is what we've read, is she would have helped anybody probably. Right. You know? This would, yeah, this is a, this is a person who is out there, you know, for a cause that she believed very deeply in of trying to, you know, help and be part of that community in a, in a, in a way. And um, unfortunately, I think that's, probably what caused her death in this case as far as we know there was no sexual assault however that being said they say there was no sexual assault but she was found nude mm -hmm. you know and even though you know police come out and say there was no sexual assault i always pause a little bit with that because if she's found nude i don't know you know that that why can, would she be right right she's not she's not hanging out behind the walmart nude her clothes were found you know where some of her clothes were found scattered throughout the area i know she had like one sock left on her foot it it seems to me like that's possibly what happened here a motive for it. you know um it could be the possibility that police are holding back a little bit of that information in order to try to connect that to a suspect too and that's why we're you know, finding out that they're saying that there's no sexual assault, but it, to me, this case does seem like the possibility of a sexually motivated crime. Mm -hmm. Unless for some reason they were, you know, trying to, I don't know, deter the reasoning behind it, you know, it could I mean, be a, an identity thing here too. You know, I mean, burning her face is an attempt to try to hide her identity. I mean, burning the face after you've already strangled them. You've strangled this woman and you burn her face. Right. What's the point? To hide her identity exactly. is all. I mean, that's all I could think of is that you're trying in some way, shape, mm -hmm. or form to hide her identity so that it takes 
so that they don't identify who she is. But strangely enough, I mean, there's no reason here to believe that she was connected to anybody there, Mm -hmm. you know? So, well, it almost sounds like she's in a way like a grifter, so to speak, especially if she's staying in, you know, women's shelters or whatever, trying to outreach. I mean, that to me is odd, but because you can outreach to women in shelters without living there. Right. You know, so that's a little odd to me. Um, unless there's a reason why she was living there, I guess. I think, you know, she had family, family were, were at least having a place for her. Um, it, maybe she felt closer to people and, and it was easier to counsel people when she's there with them. Maybe. So, um, but again, this is an open Galveston County case, and we did give you the number for Galveston Sheriff's Office earlier. And I think that, you know, if you have any information or something, you know, odd had happened to you in the 80s that maybe could possibly be connected to this case, it would be the, the time to reach out. Mm-hmm. The next case that we're going to cover is actually Susan Richardson. And Susan's case is probably the case that is the most memorable for Galveston Island. There's a lot, there's been a lot of attention on this case. So Susan was a 22 year old Texas A&M University student. She went by the name, by her middle name, Renee. Um, She was from Florence, Texas. She was studying maritime law working part-time at Casa Mar Condos slash hotel located on Galveston Island on the seawall. And as you drive down the seawall, you, you can see it right there. It's still there today. Um, she was five feet tall, five feet, eight inches tall, weighing 140 pounds with brown hair, blue eyes, She's described as a very serious student, a joy and passion for life. A friend said that the only person that she knew who would carry a full course load, work all night, keep a smile on her face. So why she was um, down there going to Texas AMM, she was actually living with her brother. Um, on October 5th, 1988, she was working the night shift till 7 a.m., Two security guards said that they had seen her at different locations. I mean, seen her at different times. One security guard said that he had clocked out around 6 a.m., saw her sitting at the front desk. She was wearing a dark blouse and a denim skirt. When a couple came in to check in at 6.18 a.m., she was not at the desk. People staying at the hotel said they had heard a scream and they had heard the door of a car slam and the screaming then stopped. Her shoe was found in the parking lot near the lobby. There were scuffs found on the employee entrance door. Her school books and purse and wallet and keys were found undisrupted in the hotel. No money was found to be missing out of the cash register and she was never seen again. Susan's mother said, you don't know what to do when you first get the call. It's like something you see on TV. Friends and family and volunteers posted over 6,000 posters and raised up to $25,000 for a reward. When you're doing a lot of looking at this case, you find a lot of people who 
are familiar with this and they talk about her poster being in every storefront mm -hmm. on Galveston Island, that there wasn't a single place that you didn't see it for, for months afterwards. Um, many of the people from the school, um, friends and family members volunteered to search for her. There were, um, lots of media attention on this case, trying to figure out what had happened. On December 5th, one of her friends received a call from a man claiming to be one of the two men who kill, kidnapped her and buried her outside of Hitchcock, Texas. There would be other prank calls to the family would receive as well. Um, and these were not connect. These were later determined not to be connected to Susan's disappearance. So the Hitchcock, Texas thing, actually police spent a lot of time dealing with the Hitchcock, um, guy and they took the trustees from the jail out to the location, um, to search that location, try to find out if, if they could make that out. One of the things that he actually said there was he gave two names stating that it was these two individuals who had, um, killed her and that they both had criminal records and police spent hundreds of man hours trying to track down these two individuals because they had two first names and figure out if they could find any possible connection or actually find any two people, you know, hanging out together on Galveston at that time with criminal records by those names. Um, it was later determined that this case, that would be a prank call and that there was no, nothing to follow up there. Um, Police did have one suspect in the case, a man who we're not going to name, but we will refer to as GS. A witness had said that GS had been seen um, on the night of the abduction and that um, Renee was talking to him on that evening. This uh, GS would have been about 26 years old in 1988, and it was possible that Renee and GS had maybe dated or, you know, had talked about dating, you know, possible romantic connection there. This individual actually died of a drug overdose in 2002. But there is another claim that goes to this individual, which is a woman in 2004 called and claimed that four years after Renee's disappearance in 1992, two men were digging up Renee's remains, breaking them into small pieces and transporting them elsewhere, spreading them out into different places on the island. Although this woman said that she had gone with them to drop off those remains, she could not identify any areas where those remains had been dropped. It took police a little while, but they were able to go to the house that at that point in time was abandoned and do a search where she said the remains were buried underneath the house. At that point, they also announced that the suspects, that they believed that there were four male individuals um, suspected in this case, not all four being suspected of killing her, but that um, they were connected into trying to cover up the crime. So like one possibly killed her and then three were possibly involved in, in covering up the case, crime. Police did discover one bone fragment located at the location and it was sent to the forensic lab for later test for testing. It was later determined that that one bone was not human, it was actually animal. 
the person, the individual had been questioned by police before he passed. And it was a difficult thing to exactly get what information they may or may not have gotten out of him. Um, but they considered him a very strong suspect with the woman's claim. Um, at the time they considered it to be a very, very strong possibility. I think with later, um, going back later and looking at it, the inability to find any human remains at the location, also the in inability to find any human remains anywhere else that, you know, she tried to, would have possibly led them to, I think they felt like maybe she was also committing a hoax. <clears throat> that's the one thing that's kind of weird about Susan's case to me is, you know, what's the point of, what is the point of, you know, coming forward yeah, yeah. And, and it being a hoax like i don't i don't get why and, and it wasn't just like one person that did that right i'm talking two three different people that have done this and what is it about her case that makes them do that you know um i think i mean you have to wonder like is there some truth there well and i i definitely think you know the woman who comes forward obviously had a connection to this gs i think um you know, she comes forward definitely with that name. That name was already on police radar at that point in time. And her coming forward makes police look harder. But I think it's somebody who's trying to put themselves in the center of a case. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, but what's the point? I mean, <laughs> you know, I guess... I guess I just don't get the point. And, and that's because I'm not that type of person, but it's, it's weird. There's several things about her case that are just very weird, mm -hmm. you know? And if, you know, the police didn't find her bones or her remains, then why bring that up? And why say that, you know, they moved her, her bones and broke them into little pieces or whatever. I mean, it's just weird. So there is a possibility that she did know more. And then when confronted with it, didn't necessarily want to give, you know, police all the information to, to possibly convict this individual. And, th and that's probably why they look so hard into their claims, mm -hmm. because sometimes, you know, people don't always tell you the whole truth, but they may know something, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it could be anything, but it's like half truths or right. there's, or pe like people that lie or do identity mm -hmm. thefts or take on these different personas. There's some truth to them it's just very minor right you know and i guess that's probably why the police well it's probably why the police actually look into it like mm -hmm. that it is the possibility you have to take that chance i think you definitely have to mm -hmm. take that chance and with this i think there was a very good chance you, what i do know about this individual that we're not releasing his name um he is very connected his family is very connected to galveston island he has many male relatives around the same possible age police kind of you know when they when you do come across his name they do give you enough information to know that um that certainly you know he he ran with a group of people who who possibly well they're questionable know, that's right. for certain right? um and possibly would have you know helped with that you know helped hide a body or or helped cover something up with that um the the thing that also gets me about Hitchcock is there is a connection there too, you know, to the same person who does have a connection, a family member who is in Hitchcock, Texas. 
so which is not far you know from galveston island i mean we're talking about 10 minutes right mm-hmm. um, i mean it's a little longer than that but okay. yeah close enough um and and so i then start to wonder if if everybody had some truth to this so my plea would be if you knew something that happened back then that connects to this case there's a statue of limitations on many of these other crimes you know and so at this point other than the murder which if this person gs was actually the person who committed this murder why not allow this family to finally have some peace and recover the main remains of their daughter right and that would be my plea to anybody who knows anything about this if there was some involvement that happened now's the time to come forward and say okay let me let me tell you you know what happened or this is what i know this i don't is what know, I know everything but this is what i do right. know and even though and we talked earlier and i gave those numbers out earlier for galveston sheriff's department that would definitely be the location that we would want you to call on anything or the galveston police department for anything related to this case but if you feel like you can't then call Texas EquiSearch. This is not necessarily somebody who's involved in this case, but this is somebody who is involved in many search cases for Mm -hmm. missing individuals. They would take that call very seriously and get it to the right people. Mm -hmm. It is time to bring this child home to her family. Right. You know, and it's been so long. So again, the plea would also go out to this woman. If you only told part of what you knew in order to protect people that you loved, then maybe now is the time to come back forward and tell what you really do know. I mean, and it's weird too, because you wonder if, if the woman that did say that about those one of four men possibly moving this body or the bones, you know, it makes you wonder like, were you angry at said people at said men mm-hmm. and you're trying to get them involved in something but why why would you use that i don't know you know i mean that's just so weird to me because when people get angry they do dumb things we know this right and often it's you know law they're using law enforcement to do it or child protective services and i mean you see it time and time again and it's there's no reason for that well, I would you encourage, know? I would definitely encourage anybody if they had done that, then also to come forward and, and say, and, yeah, I did that. You know, yeah. don't, don't leave it out there as a possibility or a half truth. And especially if this, if you know, this person was not involved because his name is out mm-hmm. there. This, this person's name is out there. This person has a family who, who has a lot of other family. I don't think that in any way, shape or form, if, if somebody's done this, to be vindictive or to get back at them for a relationship gone bad or whatever the case (laughs) may be. I don't think that's fair either to leave that out there as this blight that anybody can search and find out. Don't use this woman for that, you know? Yeah. Don't use, you know, any, anybody for that. So, um, but I mean, more than once that happened with her, you know, that's, what's weird to me. mm -hmm. Yeah. She's, she's come forward more than one time. Yeah. So, um, so again, the plea would be out there. If you know anything about this, if you had any involvement in this, if somebody told you at some point in time, anything whatsoever about this, now is the time to come forward and to give this family the, the closure that they need. And especially if this, if this person actually had something to do with it, 
he's passed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's time. Right. All right, guys. And with that, we're going to wrap up today's episode. Um, and again, we just, you know, plea with you listeners or anybody that might know anything about these cases, please reach out to um, Galveston County Sheriff's um, Office at 409-766-2322 or the Texas EquiSearch. And the phone number is 281-309-9500. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you.